Some people view Lent as a sort of man-made season that distracts from the joy and grace of Easter. In fact, Lent is the biblical prerequisite for the feast. In the Bible, God's chosen are not vindicated and do not receive God's promises until they have passed through the test. God put a forbidden tree in the first garden to test the first humans. They failed the test and were removed from the garden. God led Israel through the wilderness for 40 years before he let them enter the promised land. Those who were unfaithful did not make it in. God's purpose, as he explained in Deuteronomy 8.2, was to humble and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Abraham went through many ordeals, culminating in the command to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice before God's promises to him were confirmed. David was anointed king, but then spent several years running from King Saul before he was able to assume the throne. The two main tests David faced were the temptations to kill Saul and grab the throne on his own terms. Thus, when our gospel tells us that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, it is simply telling us that Jesus is living in the biblical story. The purpose of testing can be misunderstood. The biblical word translated as test is the same word that is also translated as temptation. In our language, these two words have different implications. Temptation has a sense of trying to lure someone into sin. God does not do that. That's the devil's role in the story. God tests us for the same reasons companies test equipment and athletes undergo challenging training regimens. Tests prove that our faith is genuine and tests strengthen our faith by exercise. God wants us to pass our tests and he allows us to undergo them in order to develop our faith. God did not lead his son into the wilderness to be overcome by the evil one. He led his son into the wilderness to reveal his son as the new and true Adam, the one who would pass the test that Adam failed. This is what we pray for when we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It means make us strong in the Holy Spirit so that we will be like Christ when we face our test. But biblically, it doesn't and can't mean God never test us. The more we examine the objections to being tested by God, the more we realize how cultural they are. Popular expressions of Christian faith are infused with the consumer assumptions that are in the air of our culture. Thus, the biblical pursuit of holiness and immortality 
subtly becomes the cultural pursuit of happiness and temporal comfort. The call to pick up our cross and follow Jesus gets translated into the idea that Jesus is the divine painkiller and the satisfier of all our wants and needs. In the temptation of Jesus, the devil can be viewed as a marketer who promises the easy shortcut. Don't die on the cross to become the bread of life that will give life to the world. Instead, just go around unnaturally turning things that don't even grow into food. Don't challenge people to believe your word by faith. Just get them to follow you by performing cheap tricks. Don't endure the cross and passion. Just engage in some easy idol worship and compromise and get the things you want the easy way. Our human nature is tempted by the shortcut because we all would rather avoid the pain. <clears throat> Even Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But the promised shortcut to human fulfillment is a lie. We can't get to Easter except through Lent and the cross. More particularly, we can't grow into the image of Christ. We can't love God and others more unless we're willing to face our real sins, wounds, and weaknesses and let them be forgiven, healed, and strengthened by the cross. A good practice of Lent is undermined by a false view of fasting that reduces it to the idea that we give up some things for a season. This approach to fasting operates on the level of what the Bible refers to as the flesh. We can only follow Jesus and do what Jesus did in the spirit. As we pray in today's collect, grant us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the spirit, we may ever obey thy godly motions in righteousness and true holiness. A biblical basis for our collect is Romans chapter 8, verse 4, which tells us that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This means that as we persevere in the life of prayer through our challenges and tests, we grow in the spirit and are progressively able to love God and others more with purer hearts. Fasting in the spirit involves both a no and a yes. We say no to things in order to say yes to God in new ways. Fasting creates a hunger, an unfulfilled desire. We then ask God to fill the emptiness we experience with himself. As we persevere in the no and the yes for a season, God begins to work his change in us. The surface hunger created by fasting is often a symptom of a deeper wound. Many of the things we enjoy function 
as coping mechanisms and painkillers. As we give these things up, the wound is exposed. And this provides an opportunity for deeper healing if we are willing to embrace and grieve through the wound. The wound is the buried emotionality of our painful life experiences and our common participation in the human condition of sin. This is precisely what Jesus came to save us from and heal us of. On Ash Wednesday, Father Hayden talked about the disruptiveness of Lent and the cross. And we avoid them because we are afraid that the cross will take away everything. But the cross is really the gateway to the new creation. We cling to the, un to the comfortable status quo and we get stuck in the mud of spiritual listlessness and discontentment. We change by embracing the disruption, by willingness to be challenged, by falling and getting up again, by a purposeful and persevering exercise of our faith that makes it stronger. Family Systems author Edwin Friedman observed that the safest place for ships is in the harbor, but that's not what ships were made for. The safest thing for humans is to avoid challenge and risk, to maintain the status quo, to avoid facing the pain. But that's not what we were recreated in Christ to do and to be. Consider how St. Paul in the epistle views his challenges as central to the proving of his ministry. He writes, in all things we commend ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Lent is really opportunity. There are things we know we should face and changes we know we should make, but we lack the urgency. So we put off the changes for another season that never comes. Lent provides us with the urgent exhortation to embrace the disruption and challenge of the cross that leads us to Easter and the new creation. As the epistle says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.